Episode three of Glum Club. I am your host, Erica, and we've got a pretty good episode this week, I feel. Um, not a whole lot of housekeeping slash feedback to go through. One of my friends suggested adding music from musical guests onto the show, and I'm definitely going to look into that. I feel like I might need to look at like APRA AMCOS, whatever licensing, because maybe this podcast might get funding one day and then I'll have to pay tax and stuff. I don't know. I'm going to look into it for sure, but for now, there's no music in this particular episode. (laughs) Anyway, I hope you're having a really good week. If you didn't happen to hear last week's episode, James did an amazing job. And yeah, his dad actually sent me a really sweet message. That was cool. And yet again, if you are not already aware, we're on iTunes where it's just me. (laughs) Um... Uh, Glum Club is now on iTunes and it'd be amazing if you subscribed or left a review. I'd really appreciate it. If you don't want to, that's cool. It's also on SoundCloud. Feel free to have a listen. Anyway, this week's episode. So I have yet again, a very special guest. It's Andy Pope from Beautiful Beasts. Andy's a really introspective, self-aware kind of dude And this episode is me essentially kind of like guiding him as he picks his brain. I found it really interesting. I love having DMs with him. A couple things to note in this episode. We recorded this episode outside in Andy's garden on a really beautiful spring day in Melbourne. So you can enjoy the wonderful sounds of nature the entire time, um, as well as just local traffic, (laughs) Uh, which was uh, annoying at times, but at the same time it was worth being outside because it was such a nice day. Uh, The other thing to note, this is specific to Andy. We had a bit of a chat about one of his friends and it was just too specific to that person for me to leave in. It was about six minutes of us discussing this person. I was like, there's just no way I can edit this and make it sound fine. Sorry, Andy. Unfortunately, due to scheduling issues, meaning I booked a doctor's appointment after this, it's a shorter episode, but I'm definitely going to have him on again once I get that studio set up. Anyway, here's Andy. Hope you liked the episode. I'm joined here with Andy Pope. G'day. Um, most notably of Beautiful Beasts. Some would say. Yeah. So I guess tell me a bit about your music life right now. Or uh, creative life, I should say. That's kind of a whole... Um, that kind of spirals back to many different things at the moment, actually. Because I've had this ear problem, face problem, that's kind of been happening for about a year and a half. Okay. At like... a. At the start, it was kind of at a manageable level, mm. but over the last couple of months, it got really, really unmanageable to the point where, like, I'd be waking up with like tension headaches, Whoa. and I couldn't hear. Like, I can't. I couldn't play guitar. I couldn't like uh, sing for one at all. Mm. I couldn't even talk above speaking level. Mm. So I'm actually kind of, I'm on the way out of that. It seems at the moment, and mm. I'm like kind of regaining some type of normality to my hearing and to my energy levels. Um, and for me, 
uh, as a like a musician artist kind of person, the the drive and the inspiration to like want to play music comes from like exploring my moods, writing songs, having ideas and things yeah. like that. And when my ear is all blocked and I have all this tension, like this headache tension, mm. I'm just not excited about music because I can't talk. So actually it's been really weird over the past couple of, like the last year I would say, because um, I have these bouts where for a week or so I don't have a lot of tension and my, my ear's fine, I have perfect hearing and I have these great little creative blurts where I'm writing heaps of cool material or I'm mm. recording stuff with other artists and I'm having good days and then there's other days where I'm playing music with people and I want to die. Um, and yeah, that's like the, to be honest for me, that's the worst feeling in the world because the only thing that kind of gives me like a consistent joy is either listening to music or playing music, you know. Mm. Um, so it's a little bit, a little bit tricky, but it's also for me at this point, it's like one of the most exciting points because I just, I'm like, I've just recorded some of some material, like six songs that is like made me the proudest and happiest I've ever been with the music I've done. Um, but there's another, there's another little thing going on in there that I'll, I'll explain another time maybe. Okay. Uh, you can ask me about it if you want. But um, I won't ask you on the record. Oh no, you can. It's fine. It's fine. Um, okay. I just don't want to talk for too long. Oh no, talk. talk. <laughs> all right, all right, cool. All right, so I just, I just recorded these like songs. And I kind of worked a, a year or so. I remember having this moment um, to myself. Uh, after speaking with a few friends who have had some like you know notable success and one of them kind of said to me it was just like if you're in the room with with Prince like because he, he knows me well he knows that I, I'm a large Prince fan I think he's fantastic it was like if you're in the room with him obviously impossible now my music's gonna be way better than his um, if we write it today but mm. duck joke sorry yeah mm. um, <laughs> <It's> like <laughs> but levels. yeah but um, he was like, if, if you were to show Prince any of the things that you were doing, what would you show him? And it was kind of at that point where I realized I'd been half-assing everything in my life. Mm. And I was like, I'm not sure, actually. I'm not sure, because I, I feel like if I was to show him some of the things that I'd done previously, um, I might be self-conscious about them. And I think you're always self-conscious about your work at some, course, some yeah. level. But when you really have worked at something, regardless of how you think about it afterwards, there's a certain satisfaction that never goes away. Mm. When you like, when you know you've put everything into a project, yeah. if you know what I mean. Yeah. So it kind of just sort of woke me up a little bit and kind of was was like, say, uh, it just made me realize that I needed to work harder. So I started working really, really hard on some songs and just mm. like doing the best possible job I could. Mm. And I teamed up with my friend Robbie and we sort of just made these songs like out of this world compared to where they were, if mm. you know what I mean. Mm. So I got really proud uh, of doing that, but I was so sick during the whole recording process mm. that I was actually just on the floor until it was my turn to do something. And I'm, I'm the band leader in, in the band, so that's not like generally the place the band leader wants to be yeah. um, in sort of pain, just letting everything happen. Mm. The solace to that, I suppose, is Robbie, me and him have worked together since we were 14, so yeah. I can kind of trust him more than anyone else to take over the reins. And I'll know that he'll get the results he's after or the results that I feel like we can coach out of everybody, you know? Yeah. So I was lucky enough there, but what happened after that is Robbie got really, really sick. 
Um, and he's kind of dealing with some really dark issues that he's never really dealt with. So we've got all of the songs sitting in Pro Tools because mm. um, he's like the Finnish producer on the, on the projects. Mm. And we've got them all sitting there, but actually he's kind of lost the ability to like operate laptops and stuff. Like it's a bit weird. It's, it's like I'm laughing because he's my friend and I can laugh at him. And I think that's what you should do yeah. when something really serious happens mm. um, for a little bit. But um, we've kind of, yeah, we've got all the songs sitting there, um, but they're just not able to be finished. Wow. So I'm kind of just coming out of this like, like sort of unproductive dark period. And the other uh, like project leader <laughs> has just gone down at the same point, mm -hmm. but at a point where we can't really like take over from each other. Cause it's like in the area of the other person's expertise. Yeah. So it's a little bit bittersweet, my, mm. my, own, my own musical projects at the moment mm. because I feel like it's the best it's ever been, mm. but it's tentative that it may never get finished. No, it'll get finished. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it most probably will. Yeah. But it's, <laughs> it it's been sitting won't. there for a while. Yeah. It's been sitting there for a while. It's been yeah. a few months now since we finished the last project. Mm. Um, but that overall, with like the small, like with the little doubts and the little like complications that come along with it, I'm really pumped about getting this music out there. I feel like it's a, it's the most honest I've presented myself artistically in a while. Mm -hmm. I feel like it's got some, it's got pop elements there. It's got some of the rock elements I grew up on. It's got like. Um, some R&B, hip-hop kind of flavour in there as well. And they're kind of just genres I always grew up with but never meshed properly. And it sort of feels like... Um, it sort of feels like an old-school funk kind of thing, mm. like production style. Yeah. Yeah, I'm really pumped about it. But cool. at the moment, it's doing nothing. <laughs> yeah. Often the case. How about you? Me. Off the record, <laughs> uh, I'm doing some music, but I like I'm having problems with my throat, so right. like it's really hard to record singing when like half your throat's swollen. Dude, so what's going on right now? There's some I don't shit know. happening. It's okay. Like we're outside. It's a beautiful day. It doesn't really matter. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I'm probably gonna set up a studio eventually, and I'll have you on again, and we'll do like a proper one. Yeah, right. Yeah, but for now, like this is fine. It's just like kicking off a podcast. Yeah. yeah. I just meant, I meant universally. I meant in... Oh, in okay. All right. I meant like right now. I was like, this is loud as fuck. <coughs> oh, right, right, Yeah. Right, yeah. So you're yeah. conscious of the environment. I'm just talking shit. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't know. But actually, um, this year is the one year. Like, I've never believed in numerology before. It's, but like, it's the start of a new cycle. Right. And I feel like starting a new cycle is a bit rough. Well. Yeah. It feels pretty rough. It is rough as. I know, what like... Do you, what do you mean, one? How does that work out? It's like you add up the numbers and it adds up to one. And the cycle is one to nine. So last year, right. heaps of people died because it was the end of a cycle. Right. And then it's the beginning of a cycle and it's, like, a rough start for most people. Right. Yeah. Do you reckon that's something to do with, like... Um, you know how some science minds explain your biology resetting, like, every seven oh, to nine years? Yeah. Do you reckon it's, like... It you know how, like women sync up on their cycles of course do you reckon it's a universal sync up yes yes i do we're all like ipods just docking yeah <laughs> and not in like the red tube docking kind of way oh i don't know what that means oh, okay. yeah some of your listeners will get it okay <laughs> yeah.
had a pretty interesting life. Like Indeed. you've talked about it a little bit before with me. What have I talked to you about? Uh, your family and uh-huh. I mean, going overseas, uh-huh. you're in London, drugs. I've never um, done drugs. Okay, great. <laughs> we'll leave that in. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I guess it's interesting to me that you used to be like super religious and now what would you call yourself? Like, would you call yourself spiritual or? Yeah, I don't know. I try to explain it sometimes. Yeah. But I think I'm just, um, uh, I don't believe in anyone else's idea of God. Yeah. And I'm not saying their idea of God's wrong. Yeah. But it's just an, it's their idea of God. Of course. Yeah. And it's not God. If it is, if there is God, their idea is not God. It's mm-hmm. just their idea. Yes. That's the way I look at it, you know. So I see, I see heaps of cool things that, like, and beautiful things that come from like devotion to like something greater than you, so to speak. Whether that be like for the love of the people, that's the way I'd like to look at it. Or if it's the devotion to something unseen. If it's creating good things, it's creating good things, and I don't really care. But if it's creating terrible things in the name of good things, mm. yeah. Yeah, I don't. I have a hard time following it. So, I'm like, I would say I'm a def. I'm definitely a spiritual person, but I actually believe spirituality is like a physical thing. It can be traced. It is like, like the thoughts that we think, they are like little chemical charges. We can map them. Yeah. Those little things get charged into the water, which maybe become our blood, and it travels through our blood, and then it starts to like we chart we breathe out water we breathe out air we breathe out these things so i think there's always like there's a small amount of influence in our thoughts and the environment around us just because physically we can trace some of it back Mm. i don't know how like how intense it all is um or how like um important i am in any of that i don't really pretend to care i just kind of i exist yeah and most days i'm happy about that yeah. Yeah. So I, I'm. I think I'm spiritual, but I'm like physic. I'm spiritual in a physical kind of way. Yeah. I. Th- I believe you can meditate in like. I could meditate on like a highway. You know, it's like just kind of the way you think about it. If you're having a moment, mm. and you're in the moment, uh, which I suppose for me, uh, I met a man once and he told me, if you're in a story, you're not present in life itself. You know. If you're in a story, like, your flesh is being occupied by the story and the story's kind of living out via yourself. So I suppose that's the way Christians look at possession. okay. You know, a thought possesses (laughs) a man to do something different. Yeah, right. Um, So it's like, I try try to be in the moment as much as I can because it's like, it's not a story. It doesn't, I don't know, it doesn't have these dwelling points or, Mm. like, um, stipulations. The moment just is the moment. Whatever happens, happens. Yeah, you know? like, I really where are like the chapters? that. Was that? Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. Yeah. And I'm sure, I'm sure if you looked around, you could make up some pretty cool ideas, but they'd just be ideas. Yeah. That's it. So, yeah. Does that well, kind of yeah. answer your question? Yeah, it does. Cool. Um, tell, talk to me a bit about your experience with mental health, because that's a bit of a, like a rocky road. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, um, vegan Rocky Road, of course. Um, <laughs> but I would say it's like a constant kind of mix. I remember at one point in my life being 
unstoppable. Mm. Like, and having zero downtime. Yeah. And I actually know that there's like a, um, like, because cause I was saying before, like, I've, like the spirituality and the physical thing, I don't think they're, sep they're separate, like they're the same thing. Yeah. So I actually think that if you get the balance right in your physical being, it affects your spiritual being and vice versa, you know. Mm -hmm. um, you attract sort of different things to you. I remember being really, really healthy and really, really fit and just like I had a purpose and I, I had like a thing, things that I was creating consistently. I felt really, really good all the time. Uh, and then I sort of made a few compromises along the way and I've kind of found myself at this point like a bit of a tipping point like where I am right now mm. because I know what works well I know what worked for me yeah but I don't have the same inspiration to do it mm. and that's where I'm kind of a bit scared because like I, I'm just a pat I like I run out of passion inspiration kind of thing I'm I try to most mm. times, you know, when I don't have to live kind of nine to five or whatever. Yeah. But if I don't have, like, for instance, in music, if I don't have, like, an inspiration to create an idea, I just, I don't play music. Mm. Like, I don't do it unless it's, like, feels like a calling yeah. in a way, if you know what I mean. So I feel the same about my, my physical health. And it's like, I remember at one point I had, like, um, a beautiful girlfriend and I had, like, heaps of things that I was, like, we were creating together and like I just wanted something so bad I didn't have to try to change I just did it whereas now at this point in my life where I was like I was talking to you earlier before like the mic was on about how mm. sometimes like you know like uh like well my priorities have kind of shifted and some things that I thought that I was gonna create I hadn't created and I sort of had to change my plan on how I was going to get to the end goal of my purpose. I feel like now that my plan has changed, how I'm going to reach the end of my, my how I'm going to reach my purpose. I, I don't really know. I don't know how to inspire myself to be healthy along the way. Because mm. that used to be a big part of it. Whereas now I kind of just feel like I don't matter in the whole thing. Mm -hmm. Not that I'm like, I'm not being like a victim or anything inside of that mentality. Or at least trying not to be. Yeah. But um, I, had, I had other reasons to want to be healthy and want to be on top of my mental game and whatever. And they just don't have the strength to inspire me like they used to. Yeah. So I feel a little bit lost sometimes. I'm kind of just like looking for that inspiration, looking for that, um, that moment, I suppose. Mm. I know if I met me, this man in this flesh met the same man three years ago in a different flesh, uh, he'd have real good answers. Oh, really? He'd be, re like, he'd be so logical and he'd annoy me. Okay. But he'd <laughs> probably be right, you know? Um, but the difference between that person, I suppose, me three years ago and me now, mm. it's just the things I was living for. Mm. Not three years ago. It's probably even way, like, it was, it was like five years ago. Okay. But three, like three years ago, it's still very much, like, even two years ago. Extremely driven. Yeah. That's how I would like to describe you. Oh, right. Then. Right. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I think that would accurately fit the man. Yeah. yeah. But like not in a cut everyone's throats kind of way. Right. Just in like a real inner drive. 
Right. Yeah, and in every aspect of your life, like you were super, super fit. Like we went to the steps, and yeah. I remember like you would like beat me and Steph like two or three times. Uh -huh. Like just everything. Like you were just really motivated. Yeah, they were good days. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was like we'll go to the steps together, but not at all. <laughs> you yeah. go there, you do your thing, and I'll do my thing, yeah. and eventually we'll meet back up to convoy. Yeah. 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 That was good. It's nice. Mm. But that's yeah. That person, like that part of me, that's still like, it's still there. Yeah. It's just he isn't as, his voice isn't as loud. Mm. His voice isn't as like commanding as it used to be. Or it is, and I kind of know he's full of shit mm. in, some, in some ways, mm. you know, or I can't trust like some of the motivations, like some of the motivations that I get when I'm like, cause the way I, I don't know. My ultimate, my end game, I don't really, I haven't really said this to many people, but I'm happy to say it on there. Um, All right. Everyone's going to know it now. Uh, everyone. Yeah. <laughs> but like, I dream of like a place that exists, like that doesn't exist yet, should I say, like on earth, that is like, you know how there's animal sanctuaries? Yes. I look at like a human sanctuary. Like Hillsville Sanctuary. Sort of. Sort of. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Where like, we sort of reconnect with who we are via our physical makeup you know like the things that make us up we sort of surround ourselves with them yeah simple very really simple but like i look at it now if, if we're to go do it we have all of these connections to how we live inside the system and yeah. things that aren't really like ultimately healthy for us and we just kind of we have like system life and life itself yes we have like the way we operate socially mm. and this whole guideline this whole rule system that guidelines that mm. and then we have life itself yeah and they're not compatible no like they're just not buddies you know as much as you might want to see it but i dream of having like this man human sanctuary kind of place communes. yeah but <laughs> see all the communes i see i see them just kind of like as little like feeders mm. on the side of society where like they don't really like society but they're just going to let it go on mm. um i suppose what i'm saying is deep down i'm hitler <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and the jews are fucked and, yeah, yeah and the jews are fucked that's it yeah. i'm gonna kill them all no um no i just like i I like, I see that place existing yeah. in my head and I don't feel like I want to rest until I've done my part in like cleaning up some of the destruction that I've been a part of mm. in like just being this person that exists in the system, yeah. just destruction in regards to nature and stuff like that. I mean, I'm not getting like overly spiritual. I just see yeah. like the diversity of life is so fantastic. And it's like, if you go into like, you go into a forest now, it's like a, an incredible experience you know it's like you can see so much sometimes you just walk through a forest and feel nothing don't get me wrong but you're in your head you're in a story world you know you're still in the system when you're like that i think you know mm. but when you go into nature and you have these like experiences with them you see the diversity of life it's like when i see someone like even just knocking knocking an old tree down I'm not sentimental in the sense, but I'm just like, I see all of the layers of life that's just getting destroyed in the meantime. Yeah. And that just doesn't come back. It's like life is so unique in so many ways. It's just like one little thing that can exist in a small little forest, like whether it be a bird or a mm. monkey or whatever. Those things, when they're gone, they're gone. Mm. And though I think that 
they give so much more back to life than many of the functions of the system do. So yeah. I've been a part of feeling that, so I don't want to run away from it. Mm. But I don't relate with it. Mm. I don't feel like I belong to that style of living at all. Like, so I have this kind of like internal conflict, I suppose. Yeah, it is. I, I definitely relate to that. You feel it too? Yeah, for sure. I think that a lot of social constructs, particularly like, are complete bullshit. Yeah, like yeah. anyone in particular? Um, I would say some of my friends who aren't musicians uh-huh. feel the need to kind of like settle down, get a house, have kids and all of that. Yeah, right. And it's just like going through the motions and... Uh-huh you question whether they actually want to do those things or it's just like other people expect them to do those things. And it's just arbitrary and ridiculous. Like, why do you need to own a house? Like, does that make you worth more as a person? Don't know. Who said you could own the house in the first place? Who sold it? Who was the first man that (laughs) sold it? Yeah, that's right. (laughs) Yeah. Do any of us own anything really? Nah. (laughs) (laughs) Unless it's like my PlayStation, then don't touch my PlayStation. (laughs) Have you heard of the Enneagram? No. What's that? Okay, cool. I'm excited for this. Uh, so basically, it's a personality typing system. Right. It's thousands of years old, and it's sort of like in the past 50 years, it's kind of gained popularity. Right. Mostly with Christians. Okay. So, but basically, it's to do with your core values. Uh-huh. And so, there's nine different values. Nine again. One to nine. Um and type threes are people who are really ambitious and they feel like they're innately worthless and they're constantly trying to prove their worth. Right. So maybe you used to be a three and you're shifting to something else now. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. So like, what do you think you value right now? Like what's really important to you? Um, In terms of like deep down core values. I just want to be honest and like, live via my honesty and it's hard Mm. because like your honesty is so often used against you but I think inside of that honesty like is um I'm a real like I'm a teddy bear dude I love things and I love them hard but I also hate things and I hate them hard Mm. I don't I'm not um I don't blame people, Mm. Um, not all the time, but I sort of just like, I would love, like what drives me is like, I I think people drive me. Mm -hmm. And as much, it's it's bittersweet sometimes because people are generally a big influence in some of my like spirals into like the depths of my mind or whatever, you know, Mm. but it's like just, I'm happy being, I'm kind of happy being alive. And I know it's, it sounds really simple, but because I nearly died, Mm. actually like little things, I think um, maybe this is where the whole drive thing has sort of relinquished a little bit. Whereas maybe the drive hasn't, but it's just the perspective of what is worth putting my energy into, like picking my battles. Mm. Maybe that's becoming a little bit more clear and I just haven't, picked my battles right yet um, mm. in regards to that but things I'd like to see come alive are just like 
Oh man, I live I live like a vegan lifestyle. Um, I have done for about eight years, nine years. So there's like those core things drive me yeah. quite a bit, you okay. know. Yeah. Um, and I think I've been through every stage of veganism, mm. um, personality wise. Uh, but I'm at the point. Type one cunt. Yeah, it's yeah. type one cunt. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think type that, two enlightened. But I think I think that's that's just um, that's default vegan. Like you just go to default cunt vegan, and then you flirt with like happy vegan, militant vegan, um, mm. protesting vegan. Um, protesting vegan. When was that phase? I've, it still happens. Okay. <laughs> every now and then. Every yeah. now and then. Uh, it depends how. It depends. I don't know. Sometimes I feel things about things. Yeah. And I, I don't. I never know when I'm gonna. Mm. Uh, and. At the start, when I first started going vegan and I started caring about earth and things like that, I, I remember it being overwhelming mm. because I actually didn't really know how to feel about a bunch of things. I just felt frustrated because like my power was low in influence to do anything about it. Yeah. And like nothing was really being done about it. And I hadn't had experience with like, with some of like the the issues inside of veganism, you know, like just small debates where there'd be some vegans eating honey, some vegans like, you know, wearing secondhand leather and things like that. I saw all these like kind of black and white rules, but I didn't really know how to feel about it. So I kind of just followed the safest guidelines, if you know what I mean. Whereas more I get to the point now, I can sort of gauge a scenario outside of veganism as well on its internal merits. Mm -hmm. But, um, if I could, I'd be bringing some more positivity in a 90s hip hop kind of way <laughs> or, or a late 80s hip hop kind of way. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Things that, writing music that I know I'd cringe listening to two years later. But um, I think that's what every song anyway. That's a lot of people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I think I went on a tangent then. No, that's cool. I was going to ask you to plug veganism for a few minutes. Oh, right, right, I think right. that was the plug. Yeah, okay, I think yeah. that was the plug. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Go vegan. <laughs> for sure. No, yeah, but do it, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, but do it. <laughs> you serious? For sure. Yeah. Okay, so anyway, I th okay, tell me if this describes you. Uh -huh. So, type ones are conscientious and ethical with a strong sense of right and wrong. They are teachers, crusaders and advocates for change, always striving to improve things but afraid of making a mistake. Well organised, orderly and fastidious. They try to maintain high standards but can slip into being critical and perfectionistic. They typically have problems with resentment and impatience. At their best, wise, discerning, realistic and noble can be morally, um, morally heroic. Well, where'd you get that from? In the Enneagram. What did you type in about me? <laughs> type one because I was like you had like you said honesty and being good and I, I was like type ones are people who are really ethical like they have a really strong right. sense of right and wrong but they can be a little bit perfectionistic and it can slow them down yeah that's like that's if you were if we were on another type of talk show yeah. I would say that you're a medium <laughs> cool <laughs> thanks it's hard it's really hard sometimes putting like a little phrases to describe yourself mm. you know and hearing it like that it's kind of like it's a bit it's a bit unsettling in okay. a way it's all right yeah but it's a bit unsettling 
Well, let me continue. Yeah, go because for it. Because the basic desire is to be good, to have integrity, to be balanced. And the basic fear is being corrupt, evil, defective. Right. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. Because I actually think I'd always lean on the other side. I always feel like a, like a piece of shit. Yeah. But I know I'm like doing, I do nice things and I'm generally a nice person. Yeah. But I don't feel like a nice person. Yeah. And I don't know why that is. I think it's because, like, there's been people in my life that maybe I've let down and I just... I'm self-aware. I'm so self-aware. Like, the Jesus-level self-awareness, like I was telling you about before. Yeah, yeah. It's like... I sometimes see, like... I don't know when you know you're going to make someone feel something that they haven't felt yet and it might shatter their world. Mm. Um, I remember when after I was living as a Christian for a while and having conversations with, like... Uh, devout Christians and the words that I was saying to them were challenging as the words that they were saying, saying to me were challenging in some way you know and I had no problem with it it was like I had a I was just keen to get to the bottom of it mm. but now I have this this self-awareness and sometimes I know when I'm I'm going to change someone's life with a word that I'm saying I've got a filter the mm -hmm. filter kind of never used to be there yeah but now the filter's there and I can like I can see the impact mm. And I'm, I'm, I'm sometimes apprehensive mm. about doing that. There you go. You know? Yeah. Not, not all the time, but sometimes apprehensive. More and more now, I would say, because I think after experiencing, like, a little bit more of the complexity of, like, how I feel things in my life, mm. it's made me want to just kind of go, you'll figure it out. Everything's rainbows. Everything's cool. You'll be sweet. Don't worry. Life's good. You're a beautiful That's person. Nice. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I really feel that, that everybody has a beauty inside them that drives them. And I think this just moralistically speaking is like our values get skewed when we're growing up. Yeah. And there's not really anyone there. Like even like they say that there's these large moral figures like the Pope and the Dalai Lama and stuff like that yeah, yeah. that inspire like um, like a moralistic balance. They don't in me. Mm. You know, I look at some of the things that the, those people have been a part of and I'm mm. thinking, yeah, nah. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Your words are useless now. Yeah. Um, so I think because we don't have that, moralistic balance it's like we don't have anyone to tell us don't be a piece of shit yeah it's like we get actually get rewarded for being a piece of shit half the a time a lot of the time you know yeah. yeah so it's like um I can't remember where I was going with that I don't know but I was going to say like you must have a really harsh inner critic yeah yeah I think yeah. so yeah yeah what's yours like uh mine's five real nerds right yeah okay yeah yeah that's cool <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but i definitely have type one in me yeah yeah it's you like definitely do all different levels yeah but yeah that seems to be how often do you reckon you flip uh it's okay so basically i'm trying to work out the system right now because i don't fully agree with this yeah. um basically i'm a type five all the time like i'd rather be dead than stupid Mm -hmm. Like, knowledge to me is everything. Yeah, okay. Um, but type one, I think I'm a little bit less now. I'm still always really ethical, but I try to judge myself less harshly because I want to be more ambitious, which is type three. Right. And you need to sort of sacrifice one to excel at the other. You can't be judging yourself really harshly and getting shit done. Yeah. You kind of need to, yeah, drop that a little bit. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree with that. Mm. I think, yeah, coming from, like, the man three years ago to the man now, mm. 
I didn't have time to judge myself then. I was just doing the, I was doing the right thing. Yeah. I probably still am. Yeah, of I just course. Don't feel it as strongly as it was once evident. Yeah. Well, I guess it's a type three thing to like judge your, or I guess base your self esteem on productivity. So right. if you're not being productive, then you don't feel good about yourself. Right. Okay. Fully. Yeah. That's yeah. That's a massive influence in my happiness. Absolutely. <laughs> like massive. Yes. Because for a few years, I remember just traveling around, um, you know, like going to Asia or mm. going overseas and doing things like that. Yeah. And when I was home, um, I was either working real hard, uh, sort of lead, this, will, this will lead me to another point, but I remember thinking to myself, I'd work nine months and then I'd go away for three months and do like a trip or something like that. Mm-hmm. But I was really happy just kind of like floating around. Mm. Not really doing that much. Yeah. Um, seeing things, kind of being a passenger mm. in a way, you know, because yeah. a lot of the roads that I was traveling on as a traveler, mm. they were just, they were opened up by people before me, you know, so I was kind of like stepping in someone else's shoes and seeing some other things that like another flesh bag like me may have done a <laughs> hundred years ago. Yeah. Uh, I thought that was cool. But then I kept coming home after like a trip and it would be like starting from scratch again, because mm. like, you know, you sell things each time you want to go overseas, even though you've got, you know, you've got a job and you're saving and you're doing whatever. But I felt the balance of nine months of like working and gritting mm. and being like, I suppose, not judging myself because I had a goal. I was like, I could, as much as I might not want to get up at 7am today to do this job, yeah. can't wait to be here, whether it be like, you know, somewhere in Europe, somewhere in Asia or whatever. So I was kind of like, I had a short term goal it was always striving me to do it yes but then when I got home the travel thing was just like I just felt like I got nothing out of it after a while mm. you know yeah like I wasn't doing anything worthwhile I was just like I was like an echo of another man's voice mm. just echoing the same thoughts the same sounds or just experiencing them I suppose at very least Mm. Um, so after a while, after a while of traveling, I didn't really know what to do, um, to get that purpose thing back again. Mm. And I knew that the nine months, three months balance thing wasn't like sustainable after yeah. a couple of years. Well, I moved to London and I tried to live in London and do that kind of stuff. And that was just like a drug fueled haze, I think, you know? I did some cool shit and I had fun mm. and I met some really beautiful people. Um, got some interesting like world perspective, I think, living in yeah. London as well. Yeah. Even though it's, I think once you've been to one city, you've, kind, you've nearly been to them all. Mm. Like Gap's going to be there, McDonald's is going to be there and a different kind of falafel shop. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's yeah. like they've got, they got similar quirks, be it an Asian city, be it a European city, like they've got the same kind of quirks. Mm-hmm. So I, um, yeah, I don't know. I was just kind of traveling around doing that kind of thing. But after a while, when I realized that the balance wouldn't work out from the nine months to three months kind of thing, I tried to uh, rectify that in a new way. And I think that's where I went internal and I was just like, all right, well, what do I have to do about this to mm. like get what I really want in life? What do I actually want? No matter how much I think it's like a pipe dream or how crazy or someone might tell me I'm like a 
I'm with the fairies or whatever. Like, if I want it, like, who's going to stick up for it if I don't kind mm. of thing? That was my realisation, you know? Yeah. It was like, while I was travelling about and doing other things, like, the epiphanies I was having on the road with the time to think and things like that, I'd come back and I'd contemplate on them and I'd feel helpless to do anything about them because I was sort of stuck in my own plan. Mm. And it didn't have those big, big picture issues inside of it. It was just like, um, exist and pretend, which yeah. is, I still do. I think a lot <laughs> I still of people do, it. do. I just, I yeah. feel guilt about doing it now. Yeah. I never used to feel guilt about doing it. Mm. And uh, so coming back to that productivity being yeah. like on the massive thing inside of like my self-esteem or, mm. you know, my mood. I never had it put to me that way. I never thought about it so logically, but I actually fully live that way, mm. 100%. Yeah. <laughs> if I'm not being productive, like if I have a day in the studio or something, if I'm working with, with somebody and I feel like I didn't get the results I wanted to, mm. like I'll stew, I'll stew for days. Yeah. I think that's the thing that's like my quality control as well. Mm. I think that's the drive that makes me want to like achieve the things I want to achieve. Yeah. So it has to be there. Yeah. I've just got to try and make sure that it uh, doesn't debilitate me, mm. or cripple me, you yes. know? But that's tricky. That's a tricky balance. Mm. I don't know how to nail it yet. No. Yeah. But um, cope. it's interesting, the stuff that you said about travel, because so many people go overseas and they're like, oh, it changed my life. It oh. opened my mind. Yeah. And then if you do it enough, it's like, it's the same every time. <laughs> Seriously though. Yeah. Seriously. It's actually like you meet the same people and you realize it's all set up. <laughs> like the whole thing's set up for you. Like it's a full industry. Like it's mm. a career path. Yes. And they just, they just make it seem like, like, like more fun than being an accountant. Oh, I guess so. Yeah. But it's just a career path. You yeah. Know, I suppose. You're still relying on all of like the benefits of the system, whether it be like the passports, mm. whether it be like, you know, your, uh, your contracts with the system, like your driver's license, your birth certificate. You have to trade those things to get to those places. Yes. And you're only there via like by grace of the person for 17 days or 30 days or 60 days, depending on how much you are. Uh, are of value to that person's economic system, you know? How white you are, essentially. Kind of, yeah. yeah. <laughs> kind of, yeah. yeah. Um, but, yeah. Mm. it's it. I, f I feel, I felt after a while I wasn't getting much out of it. But I'm almost doing a 360 where I think what happened is, because I was chilling for so long, and then I was really militantly productive or, like, driven for so long, mm. um, none of those, neither of those lifestyles were sustainable. Mm. So I like, I'm a long game kind of person. Like I see big pictures and I was like, I know it takes time to get there. So I don't put too much pressure on myself. Um, even though I do, I do, yeah. <laughs> you know, I feel like I try, I try and make sure I have perspective for the goal, but I'm thinking now that that period and the other period have got to find some type of mm. balance or whatever, you know, yeah. there's got to be a reason that, that I enjoyed both and, and had such kind of life-changing experiences within both of them. Mm. But um, I suppose anything for too long just creates stress. 
Yeah, of course. Gets uncomfortable or gets boring, you know? Yeah, definitely. Predictable. Too much peace. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah, that's right. You need conflict. <laughs> yeah, we do. <laughs> that's right. You gotta, yeah. yeah. Well, it gets boring. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Anyway, we're kind of getting to the end of it. Right. Is there anything else you want to kind of touch on? I'm just... No. Okay. I don't think so. I'm... I'm I've been happy with talking. All right. Well, thank you so much for being on. Thanks I think for you said me. a lot of like interesting stuff, and I'd love to have you back on. No and problem. I kind of want to listen back to this and like come up with some more directed questions. Sounds like a good plan. Yeah. yeah.